1918. It's near the end of the First World War. The Spanish flu was killing millions. But for the people of New Orleans, there was one more thing that may end their lives. The Axeman. A possible supernatural being that attacked and killed mostly Italian immigrants who were grocers. What was the motive here? Is the killer a supernatural being? Who is this guy? We will try to discover all the answers to these questions and more in this episode of Crime Shack, where the only four-letter word we use is kill. Today I have my dad, and we are covering the case of the Axeman of New Orleans. Yes. So before we start, a few shout-outs. The winner of the trivia question, what true crime television show host lost a son to a serial killer? Um, the winner of that was Jen Barnard from Facebook. And she got the answer of John Walsh host of America's Most Wanted and In Pursuit with John Walsh. Lost his son, Adam, in 1981. Adam was abducted in a Sears store in Hollywood, Florida, and was later identified in a drainage ditch in Indiana River County. In 1983, Otis O'Toole and Henry Lee Lucas confessed to the crimes so congratulations, Jen. Your name is inserted into the um, pick to win a prize. So good job. Thank you, Red J, for the theme music, Willem for the cover art, listeners for listening and telling your friends. Make sure you follow our Facebook and Instagram. Links are in the description. And also check out our merch store. Link is also in the description. Rate the podcast on whatever you're listening from. And thank you for joining me today. You're very welcome. So, you know a bit about the New Orleans case. Yep, a little bit. So, what what was your initial thought on this guy? Do, do you think he's a ghost or demon No, person? I don't think so. I think that um, the background of New Orleans, the history and the heritage, definitely plays into uh, looking at things like voodoo, looking at spirit world and and that's a very big part of their culture mm-hmm. so it'd be really cool to learn that stuff like if uh, we could just take a trip to new orleans and, and check out the museum the, of one that day and one just... day hopefully yes uh we can do something like that but i think that that's uh that's something that they absolutely embrace so when there is an opportunity or where there is something that um could possibly have that sort of background that sort of mystery uh, i could see why they would kind of lean to that as a possible option. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, personally, I don't I don't think so. I think that there was somebody behind it the whole time. Mm-hmm. So there are quite a few attacks. And I'm going to say right out of the gate, for a big dude with an axe, his success rate is not very good. <laughs> yeah, I, it is. It is interesting that for well we we don't know one if it is uh somebody of a a larger stature we don't know if it's one person uh and we we really don't know um what that person's background or fitness level Mm -hmm. or any of those kind of things are so uh yeah i think i think it was somebody who was just really really disorganized and maybe maybe wasn't all there you know what i mean like a personality well, disorder because uh, that's kind of what i got from his letter which we will read off later on yeah i don't know necessarily if it was a personality disorder but maybe some sort of like a dissociative disorder uh-huh. something that they just had a really hard time going back and forth and in, in between reality and and events and and having to deal with some sort of trauma so mm-hmm. i just think that that's a possibility that that we might have to look at later okay well, the first attack of the Axeman was the Maggio attack, which happened on May 23rd, 1918. Catherine and jo- Joseph Maggio, who was an Italian grocer, were found at 4901 Magnolia Street by Joseph's pe- brothers, Jake and Andrew. Both of the brothers lived in the home with them, by the way. 
Um, they both had neck injuries caused by a straight razor owned by Andrew Maggio. They also had axe wounds to their heads, which caused them both to die at the scene. The door panel was carved out of their home, which is how the killer entered their home. And the clothing of the killer was found in the house, which I found weird. Like, he ran home naked. <laughs> or changed. Maybe mm. maybe he took... If you're telling me that there were two individuals that lived there, plus, like, the two brothers and Maggio, yeah. mm-hmm. then maybe he decided that he could change into something different mm. and then take off? I guess. Or, or again, yeah, absolutely. Maybe, depending on where you are, maybe he did streak at home. <laughs> Right? Who knows? Um, Also, a few blocks away from the scene was a chalk inscription found on the sidewalk. It read, Mrs. Maggio is going to sit up tonight just like Mrs. Tony. And it is believed that this is referring to the attack on Anthony and Joanna Scambra? Scambra? Where are you at? Yeah, I think think that looks at what that is. Scambra. Scambra, yeah. Um, that happened in May of 14, whoa, um, 1912. Anthony was killed by several bullets. A bullet that hit him went through his body and hit Joanna in the hip area. Their infant was untouched, although she was in the same bed. But sadly, Joanna died 10 days after her injuries and Anthony died the day of. Um, it is said that the killer was never found for this attack, and it has also been reported that the customers at their store called Joanna Mrs. Tony. Oh, okay. There are also grocer- grocers murdered that followed the X-Men's MO, but we're just naming out the definite victims. Okay. Yep. So that's at least the second set of Italian grocers? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, last thing to note about this attack is that Joseph's brother, Andrew, became a suspect, um, even though he says he saw a man lurking around the house earlier. So, we'll see that later on. The presumed second attack was on Bessemer and Lowe on June 27, 1918. Louis Bessemer and his mistress, Anna Harriet Lowe, were found by a baker making deliveries to their store. The door panel was once again knocked out, just like the Maggio attack. Anna was hit over the left ear, whereas Lewis was clubbed with a small hatchet. They were both still alive. The hatchet was found in the bathtub, and Lewis claimed that he saw a large white man with a hatchet. But Anna says that Lewis was the attacker and was a German spy. And this is weird to me because the Nazi party was founded in 1920. Don't really understand where the heck she was getting German spy from. Yeah, it would be a hard one. But knowing that there was the the First World War, right? Mm-hmm. Before that. Um, and within everything that was going on. It's not saying that he was part of the Nazi party. It's just oh, saying that he was a German spy. So there are spies pretty much for every country Mm -hmm. and they're all over the place to collect intelligence. So, I mean, is it a possibility? Probably. Maybe. For sure. I also wouldn't rely on her seeing as she was hit over the head with a hatchet. (laughs) Maybe that could be it too. Maybe there was some sort of like either concussion or brain damage. Mm -hmm. Well, on May 1st of 1919, Anna actually died of her injuries and Lewis was charged with her murder because of letters found written in Russian, Yiddish, and German, and he was later released mm-hmm. because they're still looking for this guy. And we're going to go back in the past from before Anna died to the Schneider attack on August 5th, 1918. Mrs. Schneider was found by her husband, Ed, after he got home from work close to midnight. She was struck in the face and was sitting in a pool of her own blood when found. It is said that the X-Men went through an open window and attacked Mrs. Schneider with a lamp. He also stole money. To make things worse, she was also eight months pregnant. She survived and actually gave birth two days to a week after the attack to a healthy baby girl. 
She also has no recollection of the attack, which is probably for the better. Yeah, absolutely. So good on her. Yeah. That, that's impressive. Um, on August 10th, 1918, Joseph Romano was found by his nieces, Paulina and Mary. Joseph had severe head trauma and died two days later in the hospital. Paulina and Mary actually saw the killer flee the scene and described him as, quote, dark-skinned, heavy-set man who wore a dark suit and a slouch hat, end quote. So, com- commonalities there are definitely male, mm-hmm. and then big, and the difference between what's the, I guess, open to interpretation, what's the difference between somebody who has a dark tan mm-hmm. versus uh, somebody who is... Uh, Caucasian, but mm-hmm. still has a tan, mm-hmm. right? Like, you don't know. Well, I was wondering because if you listen to our killer info episode, I'm pretty sure I mentioned that serial killers tend to stay within their own race. Right. So, white people are most likely to kill white people, and Italians are more likely to kill other Italians. So, I kind of went there. It is also dark, and he's wearing a slouch hat, so it could have been the shadows. Absolutely. And, so. and to think that, so one of the things I looked up when we were talking earlier was that um, I wanted to get an understanding, especially when you were talking about how there were a bunch of a different Italian grocers, right, that were down in New Orleans. Uh, so what I did was I looked up when the majority of the Italian immigrants actually immigrated to New Orleans, and it was in the early 1880s. So around that time, 1881, 1882, and then we're starting to talk about things that are happening in you know, the early 1900s, moving into the 1910s, the 1920s, uh, the majority of the the Italian immigrants that did immigrate to New Orleans were actually from Sicily. So uh, had somebody come over and uh, immigrated to New Orleans, is there a chance that a Sicilian has dark skin or darker skin? Absolutely. You can't, uh, you know, tell based on one thing or the other what uh what skin color skin pigment or mm-hmm. or anything like that especially in the dark especially with wearing yeah. a hat and especially with your uncle laying there dead absolutely <laughs> absolutely um this attack caused mass panic and everyone began to take safety measure measures and finally started throwing out their axes What what's with all like you have a store? I'm sure you can make money to get pre-hatcheted wood, <laughs> pre-axed so, wood. I think I think that kind of shows um, how young you are, right? And mm-hmm. how um, sometimes, and you have to think back into that into the past. I remember growing up, and I remember my grandparents. I remember them being, uh, you know, having a wood stove to heat their house, having wood stoves to cook their food. So uh, now that was, I, you know, I was born in 1982. We're talking, holy smokes, you know, 19, 1918. So the majority of how uh, individuals heated their home probably would have been with wood stoves so having hatchets having things that are around to help uh yet said wood exactly could have uh could attribute to why Mm -hmm. everybody had an axe kicking around right so um the next attack was on paul durell um although it may seem impossible at this point to keep the axe man out of your home like he's chiseling through door panels coming through your windows Paul Durrell Jr. actually did manage to keep the Axeman out on oh, yeah? accident. <laughs> on September 13th, 1918, while his family was sleeping, the Axeman tried to enter his store home. He lived upstairs and the store was downstairs, yep. but couldn't because supply boxes were blocking the door and he had to flee. So I guess people started to kind of see what was happening and anybody who had a convenience store or sort of like a grocer or whatever were, were realizing maybe I want to put a few more things in front of my door to be be a little more safe. I know, I'll just use the things That's I it. already need space for. <laughs> exactly. Um, the next attack was the Cortemiglia family attack that was on March 10th, 1919. The Axeman went to Gretna, a New Orleans suburb, 
to attack Rose, Charles, and their daughter Mary Cordomiglia. They're found by their neighbor Irlando Giordano, who heard the attack across the street. Once he arrived to the scene, he saw Rosie holding baby Mary in her arms in the doorway whilst Charge was still on the ground trying to get back into things after being hit by an axe. Yeah. They all had serious wounds, but Mary was the only one to die. So the husband and wife survived and the the baby baby died because she probably decides of the axe. And on March 13th, 1919, a letter from the Axeman was sent to the press. And this letter is a very interesting letter. You want me to read it, don't you? Yes. All right, I will do my best as this uh, or this letter, the words in it seem to be from an individual who may not be all there. <clears throat> Hell, March 13th, 1919 esteemed mortal of new orleans they have never caught me and they never will they have never seen me for i am invisible even as the ether that surrounds your earth i am not a human being but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell i am what new orleans and your foolish police call the axe man When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and brains of he who I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way that they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Joseph, etc. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am. For it were better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the axemen. I don't think that there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as a most horrible murderer which i am but i could be much worse if i wanted to if i wished i could pay a visit to your city every night at will i could slay thousands of your best citizens and the worst for i am in close relationship with the angel of death now to be exact at twelve fifteen earthly time on next tuesday night i am going to pass over new orleans and in my infinite mercy i'm going to make a little proposition to you people here it is i am very fond of jazz music and i swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well, then, so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of your people who do not jazz it out on that specific Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, As I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse, hoping thou wilt publish this, that it will go well with thee. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever exists, either in fact or realm of fantasy.
You better make sure you jazz it. Yeah, that's it. Eh? That's that's some interesting, interesting verbiage in that mm-hmm. in that whole letter. Now, I don't know if that's just a lot of old school way or old school mm-hmm. words. But uh, yeah, there are some things that really stand out in that letter to me. It kind of reminded me on how Winifred Sanderson talks well, in Hocus Pocus. It, yeah, kind of. Like when you think back to, you know, the proper English or, or the way that they were kind of saying their things or were taught how to write. It's almost, um, it almost kind of is biblical a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. You also like my satanic majesty and I am in close relation to the angel of death. Yeah. But again, is that a Sicilian background or is that an embracement of the New Orleans ghosty ghost voodoo voodoo kind of culture, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that all of New Orleans is like that, but I mean Uh a lot of New Orleans. It also makes me feel like this guy made up an excuse of, I'm cold and crave the boor- warmth of my home. I'm leaving your trashy island. And, like, you don't you don't need to write a letter in one sitting. And you definitely don't need an excuse to end it. So it makes me think it's someone younger using older English. I, the, the only reason I think I think you're mistaking what I meant by that. I, I Old English meaning that the, the, at the time it was just called Old English. Whereas like the words and the, the the way that you guys write now is a little bit different, right? Mm-hmm. That we all write that. I didn't learn old English. Uh, I think there was a course that I could have taken at college at one point, but I wasn't touching that with a 10 foot pole. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think mom might've actually had a course on English and the history of English and like the English language. And it was mm-hmm. not a great course uh, for her anyways. And she didn't really enjoy it. So when I look back at that, that's what I kind of mean is that for that time, for the early 1900s, that's the norm. Do you know what I mean? Uh Um, But I mean, none of us lived back then, so I have no friggin' idea. (laughs) Um, The letter was published two days after receiving it, and everyone jazzed it. Yeah. The letter even inspired the song Don't Scare Me Papa, also known as the Mysterious Axeman's Jazz. The cover can be found on our Facebook and Instagram. It's pretty much just a family really scaredly playing instruments while mm-hmm. looking at the door. Like, oh, it's a jazz band. It's a jazz band. <laughs> we're jazzing it. Yeah, Leave me alone. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Exactly. Um, it is suspected that Joseph John Davila, the creator of the song, was the killer to promote his jazz this is a pretty weak theory and it is even mentioned in our suspects because yeah. it's so weak, but jazz was also just starting to be more popular. That so it could the... have been someone promoting their favorite music. That would be the most intense promotion <laughs> for a music group and or style <laughs> in the history of history. So that's how that was. That'd be so crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are some suspicions surrounding as to why the Axeman picked said date for everyone to jazz it. Yeah. On March 19th, the day after the letter is set to jazz it, which is really like really early morning because it's at 1219, right? Right. Something like that. Um, that's actually St. Joseph's Day, which is a feast day of the husband of Virgin Mary and legal father of Christ. This holiday is pretty big deal for Italian immigrant community of New Orleans, which is most of the Axeman's victims. Absolutely. Even if it was like, hey, I have a business trip this weekend. Let's see how many of these fools I can make dance. Well, it is still pretty mean timing if it sure. was planned. But I also think that this kind of is something that could also fall into the realm of um, knowing that uh, St. Joseph's Day was essentially, it began in the late 1800s, and it actually started with Sicilian immigrants who relocated to New Orleans. Um, it was a day that they were celebrating 
the way that St. Joseph provided relief during a famine in Sicily. So when, when you look at it and you look at, okay, so the target uh, victims here, the majority of them are uh, of Italian descent. Mm -hmm. The background is a lot of Italian grocers, Italian markets. And if you think about it, it's easy to kind of spot that because they Mm -hmm. probably had Italian name signs over their grocery stores or Mm -hmm. over their bakeries and, and things like that. And then you look at the day that was specified in the letter is another Italian, essentially Sicilian, um, special day, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know enough about it. I'd have to do some research, but I would wonder that, like, when do they build the altar of, uh, you know, when do the Sicilians who celebrate that day start the altar and, and put the, the festivities together? Mm-hmm. Um, does it start the morning of? Is it something that's really, uh, you know, we, we, we stay up till midnight, right? Like New Year's mm-hmm. almost. And, and at the strike of midnight, that's when you you present your, your feast or that's when you have or start that, uh, you know, that festivity. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things here that are really, really uh, intertwining when it comes to like a religious background, when it mm-hmm. comes to sort of the Sicilian background knowing that the majority of the Italians that were down there were Sicilian. So yeah, there's a lot of things that are going on there that seems like it's really intertwined with the Italian uh, immigrant community down in New Orleans. Uh Um, Even though everyone jazzed it, Steve Boca was attacked on August 10th, 1919. (laughs) He didn't jazz it hard enough. No. (laughs) He only did a little yeah. boogie. He didn't Jazz play it. piano. Um, he was attacked by the Axeman, clearly. He stumbled to his neighbor's house where the police were called. Steve had the worst injuries by far. So he was like, everyone jazzed it. I'm bored. Yeah. And just put all the killing onto him. Um, But he survived and also has no recollection of the attack. I think that it's a lot to be said, especially when you look back at, at that kind of things and you look at like head trauma, right? And not mm-hmm. really knowing how in the early 1900s, 1918, 1920, how, that was treated. how they were treating people and, and things like that. So, I mean, all in all, uh, the reason I was kind of chuckling was because I knew that uh, this individual survived. So luckily he, he uh-huh. came out of it with with some injuries, but actually came out of it. Yeah. Um, and the other part being that, uh, you know, for being one major target, he actually did all right. Yeah. Everyone loves movies, so why don't you join me and Y-Boy for a real fun time? We review movies, but don't spoil the ending so you can still enjoy. So why don't you join us for our premiere on June 1st, where we cover Big Hero 6. And follow our Instagram at You Gotta Watch It. Listen, Listen to You, you Gotta, gotta watch, watch It, it. it which, which premieres, premieres on, on June, June 1st for a real fun time. Steve Boca attack was Sarah Laman. Um, she was attacked on September 3rd, 1919, and the 19-year-old had a split skull and lost some teeth, but much like Steve Boca, had no memory and survived the attack. So, like at this point here, are we thinking that this individual is actually trying to like legitimately kill people? Or are they just losing their mind and just attacking somebody? And then is there a possibility that once they've made, once this individual, the, the attacker, um, 
realizes after the first blow what's happened that okay that could also explain why he left all his stuff because he left all the weapons in the scenes yeah it it could be that could be one theory for sure because he could be like oh my gosh what did i do the other thing though think of it from a forensic standpoint and i know i know like back in the early you know in the early days here in the early 1920s forensic things weren't really being worried about but if mm-hmm. you found a bloody axe or a bloody knife or a bloody uh shaving razor mm-hmm. with somebody out there like how many axes is this guy gonna have at his house <laughs> like do you know what i mean yeah so i think the well he hit the one girl with a lamp well because it was a tool of opportunity mm-hmm. right it's not and that's what kind of has me boggled a little bit is that is this somebody who is having a difficulty with reality or not? And then, or is it just somebody who's like legitimately out to lunch and uh, just has anger issues and does whatever he wants to do or whatever they want to do and has an act and then immediately snaps out of it and is like, Oh darn. (laughs) Uh, And then drops everything and just leaves. And also, I don't know what it's called, but it's when, like, two people are living in my head. Like, what's me was Patricia. <laughs> yeah. Like that. S- but one of his yeah. sides are some demon-y, satanic majesty dude. And the other side is just some regular dude. So having, like, multiple personalities? Yeah. I love how it wasn't me, it was Patricia was my uh, example. I, I, I knew what you meant. <laughs> and so... That could also be his snapping in and out of it, because could it be he's mad? Yeah, so they <laughs> actually term it as dissociative identity disorder. So did, did. Uh, is what they're calling it. But that's the one where you're talking about, you know. Going in and out. Yeah, absolutely. And again, having that dissociation, that could have been from traumatic events. That could uh-huh. have been from... You know, if you think about it, how old can this individual actually be? Is it a young person who immigrated early in their life mm-hmm. and came over to to you know the North America down in New Orleans and, and started their life down there and and actually you know had to endure the different things, or was it a an individual who was born in North America and had immigrant parents and was raised a certain way? And had that upbringing, but on the North American side. So, like, there's so many different possibilities of, a, mm-hmm. of individual that this could be. And it could also not be an individual. It could be, like, we've seen in the Jack Thurper case where a medical student, Frank, sent a letter to the press. Yeah. And it could be multiple people. Like, it could be a duo or a bunch of copycats just blaming their murder on or or using guy. or using that one particular thing or a couple of particular instances to um, do something and use that as absolutely as a cover story yeah. or you know an added because it, for there to be such an opportunity where this individual uh, was breaking into people's homes and using tools against them. And then actually murdering people um, to having an attack, but then the majority of people living. What if, and I just, I just kind of thought of this right now. What if it's because the person now is way older? So if when they were younger, when all of these started, when the majority of people were actually being murdered, they were a bit stronger. They were a bit younger, uh, more physically fit. And that way, or could it have been, you know, as they progressed in age, or maybe there was an incident where they lost use of something, but still felt the urge uh, to carry on with the attacks that now they weren't as successful in the rate of murder. Yeah. Never really thought about that. Yeah. Um. The last attack was on October 27th, 1919, on Mike and Esther Pepitone. I love Esther. She's the best, and we'll get to why that is. Um, But they were attacked by two men 
suspected to be the Axeman. And so... Again, yeah, now we're going from one person to two people to... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Mike was hit 18 times. And it is also said that the Pepitones were hit with a bolt and heavy net from a nearby traveling circus. Oh. And so... If it was just some Pogo the Clown that decided, I know what I'll do. Well, do you think that? Or do you think maybe it was somebody that was, like, did they go to the circus earlier that day? Um, It's never really reported other than that they were hit with the bolt from said circus. Okay. Nothing much comes up afterwards. Like, I couldn't find anyone that was suspected from the circus, had any connections to the circus. Yeah. But the circus was leaving... I think the weekend after this attack or the okay. day after this attack. Yeah. And so it is a little suspicious. Yeah. And it was right around the corner. Right. Yeah, that would be interesting. Could it even be the actual Axeman or is it somebody completely different that mm -hmm. just... Had a grudge against the Pepitones. Or just was, you know, attacking people because they're on a traveling roadshow. Yeah. Um... Esther survived, but sadly, Mike died and was the last Axeman victim. And now it's time for the suspects. And right out of the gate for the suspects, I put Esther in this guy's story because Esther is the best. Okay. She is the best. So our first, that first suspect is a man who went, went by many names, one of which, Joseph Mumphrey. He is the lead suspect in the case. During the time of the Axeman attacks, he was in and out of jail. All the attacks are... He's out of jail okay. when the attacks happen, so they all correspond. And he even went to jail for bombing an Italian-owned grocery store. Okay, so obviously he had an axe to grind. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, intended. <laughs> uh, with, with an Italian grocer, and I know why, and you're going to get to that in a little mm -hmm. bit. Go ahead. Um, he had a blackmailing gang that okay. targeted Italians. And, as you said, Axemen mostly killed Italian grocers. Um, now it's time for the most important piece of evidence against him, and that is his encounter with Esther. After the attack, her and her husband, on her and her husband Mike, Esther moved her and her seven children to L.A., um, she also remarried to a man named Angelo Albamo. The same year, Angelo ended business relations with Joseph Mumphrey. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. On the second anniversary of her axe attack, her new husband, Angelo, mysteriously disappeared after buying groceries and making a bank withdrawal. He's still never seen to this day. Oh, wow. He just disappeared off the face of the planet um on december 5th 1921 yep. so sometime later mumphrey went to esther's house at 5554 east 26th street in la he demanded 500 dollars in her jewelry which 500 dollars back then is probably a lot yeah probably he also threatened to, quote, kill her the same way he killed her husband, end quote. Which one? Not that, but I'm going to get to. Yeah. Esther wasn't having any of it, and so she shot him with a thirty-eight caliber revolver, emptied it into Mumphrey. After that, grabbed another nearby gun and emptied that into Mumphrey as well. I think he's dead. Yep. Um, she shot him at least 11 times. He was acquitted for self-defense. She also claimed that he was the Axeman in one of the two men she had seen the night of her first husband, Mike's death. There's not enough evidence to definitely say that Joseph Mumphrey is the Axeman, but definitely a jerk and definitely <laughs> deserved to be shot 11 times. Well, I don't know if anybody deserves to be shot. Uh, but I'm gonna kill you like I killed your husband. Uh, yeah, absolutely, with absolutely. your seven children good, there with no good, fathers. Good for Esther to to stand up and be a strong and an independent lady and and to defend herself and her family and 
her money and her belongings. So uh, all for that. Mm-hmm. Um, with Mumfrey though, I get the feeling like I j- there's just something about it. Maybe maybe there was something in there. Like maybe Mumfrey did do something, but did he do all of the things? Mm-hmm. Is where I'm I'm struggling because I don't understand if you had when you look at patterns and you look at the way that things work. Um, Mumfrey's go-to was to bomb and and basically torch the Italian grocers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So how do you go from that being your mo to then Acting physically attack? You know what I mean? Like that because that is a big leap. Because yeah, bombing huge. is kind of a at a distance. Yeah, and you can still that's like even used in slang. You just dropped a bomb and ran away. Like you're yeah, yeah, a scaredy yeah. cat. You're Absolutely. weak. Well, I don't know where, necessarily if well, it's weak, but it's it's just definitely one of those things where how do you go from one way to something else? The least personal so, way to the most, the most personal, personal way. way. Absolutely. Right up in their face. Exactly. And so that's Mumfrey. Also with his little husband quote. I'm pretty sure it was Esther that said the quote. And her actual quote was killed me the same way he had killed my husband but they replaced it with her yeah and so i don't know if he said husband or husbands so it could have been that he only killed angelo yeah and and i think that makes sense to me because when when you look at it if angelo and uh and joseph were business partners at some Uh point gonna go out on a limb here yeah well not only that but i mean like how good of a dude was Angelo? Oh, yeah. If you're hanging out with a known felon who's a convict, who's been in and out of prison, and yeah. your business partners, I don't know. Yeah. It just seems a little fishy to me. I also feel like Esther would be careful, though, especially after the axe attack and the fact that he ended business relations the year he married her, yeah. like right before they got married. Yeah. That makes me feel like he was, he was on... trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with, like, a new wife and seven stepkids. Yeah, That's... that would be a lot. Our second person suspect is Andrew Maggio, who was the brother of the first victim, Joseph Maggio. Right. Um, it was suspicious that he didn't hear the attack since him and his brother lived in the same house. Yeah. But I feel like that goes for both Andrew and Jake, his yeah. other brother. It is also said that Andrew was the only one who saw the strange man lurking around. Right. So even if it was him, he could have just made up said mysterious man. We don't we don't hear about Jake anywhere else, do we? Yeah, we don't hear about Jake. And and I'm, as you're sitting here and you're reading these things about Andrew and knowing that one of the weapons were his straight was, razor was his straight razor, and then jumping from one person. To later on when we were talking about some of the other scenes where there were multiple people, mm-hmm. could could Andrew and Jake have been in this together? Ooh. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> yeah. Always be suspicious. Always, Always be suspicious. Um, our next suspect, not really a suspect, but more of a theory with multiple suspects, is that not all the killings are the same person. I feel like that's probably the way like I would lean. Just one OG and then a bunch of copycats with like a prankster throwing in the letter. Uh, maybe not even a prankster throwing in the letter, but just maybe the original. Oh. Maybe the maybe the original killer or killers, knowing that they are the true Axeman, was the person or were the people that put in that um, the letter knowing that all the other attacks or or murders weren't necessarily theirs because there is that thing in that letter that talks about all the other spirits Mm -hmm. so does does the true killer or killers Mm -hmm. feel like the copycats are the other spirits well there are some theories that they're like a group of not very well hitmen yes like i would not pay them a dime like they suck well if your job is to kill people hitman and, and you have everybody a 50 is, 50 yeah, right you're you're not doing well no no and it's also suggested that it was the mob which no like that's my only note no like 
The so mob would be much more organized. They wouldn't be sending letters. They're the mob. They'd be much more secretive and much more well, I don't organized know because, with a much so higher success rate. Could this create fear and panic? Could it make people want to pay for protection? Could it be an opportunity for them to control a populace? Possibly. And then by using something that seems like it's at an arm's length away from the mob right mm -hmm. because when you think mob you think hitman you think uh -huh. precise you think very well organized mm -hmm. and this is anything but very well organized yeah. other than the target audience mm -hmm. right so the targets themselves are the individuals and those things seem sort of sporadic in the fact that some live some don't so like could the mob have an involvement absolutely so it's not a bad theory because the i just mob, feel like it's a really weak link it is but then again in those times you used to have to pay the mob for security right and they protected your business and they protected your place they were the original insurance company so if that's the way that they looked at it and this chaos created panic then that's money in their pockets true i just feel like it would have gone for longer than two years or one year. Or everybody toes line after the one year and starts paying insurance. Huh. Who it's knows? Fancy. Um, for not all the killings are the same person, I have a few suspects. One of them is Louis Ubicon. O-U-B-I-C-O-N. Yeah. Um, he is a 45-year-old man who was suspected in the Bessemer attack because he worked at the store. Not to mention, Louis Bessemer himself was blamed for the attack, even though it, it would be hard to well hit I, yourself with an axe. I can tell you right now that I've seen a lot of different things throughout my career, and that when there is enough of an incentive for an individual and they're passionate about the outcome that they would like to have, mm -hmm. somebody can do a lot of really bad damage to themselves mm -hmm. if that's what they chose. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So is yeah. it is it out of is it out of the possibility? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. I just feel like they're the second attack. So oh, if yeah. he does want to kill more people, then it's kind of not advisable to axe your mistress and yourself. But he lived, right? Yeah. He so, lived, I guess. so does that make it so that he killed his mistress and now he gets to live and be free because he took the opportunity to blame the axeman mm -hmm. while getting rid of his mistress? Mm hmm. That is true. Um, the Pepitone attack could have been a mafia attack because Mike's father had actually killed a man in the past and there were grudges to the family Different there. Different families, yeah. Um, there is also a man named James Gleason who was suspected in the Schneider attack, the woman who was pregnant and later on gave birth. Um, he ran from police. Um, he claimed it was because of past negative encounters from law enforcement. He was also yeah, African-American, which fit the description, but still the description isn't really well, the that reliable. Well, the description is so vague that you can't even say whether or not. And, and Who has a slouch hat? Well, not only that, but you got to think back early 1900s. Heck, man, there's so many different things that are happening nowadays. Where mm -hmm. could you understand why an individual uh, who is a, an African-American would not want to stick around? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, to no fault of this individual himself, yeah. I'm not I, hanging around. Yeah. I don't it ain't think, happening. I don't think it's this <laughs> yeah. guy. No, me neither. I, he has full permission to run. Um, not to mention, there could have been a series of unknown copycat killers that just blamed their murders on the Axeman. Absolutely. Which could have made it impossible to solve. Because Each and they were, every one, because they were linking them together. Yeah. Yep. Our next suspects is actually a duo. 
Irlando and Frank Giordano. You may recognize the name because Irlando was the neighbor who found the Cordomiglia family. Yeah. Um, they were competitor grocers of the Cordomiglia. And Rosie, the wife, claimed that they were the killer. She then said that police forced her to say and that they weren't actually the killers, just the people who found them. So this is really a come see, come saw. He, he said, she said. Theory. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. But this father-son duo contained Irlando, which is 69 years old at the time, and Frank, who was 18. Yeah. Irlando was small enough to get through the door panels and could have opened the door for six foot two 200 pound frank who could have been the large figure everyone claimed to see yeah maybe so that makes sense instead of someone shrinking down like ant-man and coming back up to attack people it was ant-man going in to let in the hulk <laughs> sure good analogy <laughs> our next suspect is jake bird in 1947, Jake Bird was arrested. He hopped trains and claimed to kill the lives of 44 people across the country, including the axe attacks. He was guilty for killing in Tacoma and said that everyone in the courtroom would die before he did. Six did, but Jake was executed July 15th, 1949. So even if he had the killer, he wasn't convicted for it and he got no, nobody, executed anyway yeah, so nobody could prove that he was even in New Orleans yeah. at that time he was a train hopper and there's no way you can tell um our next theory is an unidentified vampire or supernatural being yeah see and this is this is where you lose me mm -hmm. because the fact that the police even entertained this yeah i i don't know it just to me to me, I'm just happy that it's not aliens. Yeah. <laughs> aliens is where well, you lose then, me completely. Back, yeah, but back then that wasn't even a conversation, I don't think. So the next best, best thing would be, you know, a ghost. a ghost or a spirit or, or a vampire or a vampire. Apparently, you need Blade to come in New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, this is this would explain on how he was able to shrink down into the houses without a trace. Again, tiny entrance big dude ghosts could go through doors i guess but apparently vampires have this ability to shrink i have no idea or they could turn into bats yeah, i guess maybe i don't know you're losing you're losing me on this <laughs> one this is not something that i would have even considered considered or imagined. imagine if people started just rubbing garlic on their doors <laughs> yeah exactly or hang, hanging it yeah that'd be hilarious um, the letter suggested that he was a supernatural being. Um, the horrific scenes, people reported it was more the doing of a monster than a person, but like he has a fifty fifty percent rate, guys. Yeah, He's not that good. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> people keep comparing the Axeman to Jack the Ripper and I don't get it. Like the Axeman is one of my favorite cases. Like he probably surpassed Jack the Ripper by now. But Jack the Ripper was much better at actually killing them than this guy is. Like, Jack the Ripper, he had the canonical five, suspected of 11 women killed. Everyone very efficiently murdered. Good yeah. job. This guy has an axe. He's bashing people's faces in, and he still doesn't kill half the people he attacks. But So think of it this way. Jack the Ripper brought his own instrument, mm -hmm. right? Right. And do you think that Jack the Ripper probably honed his skills a little differently? I guess. Meaning, yeah. like, I would say that he would probably ensure that his knife or knives were very sharp. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're taking the, uh, the route of... I'm going to use whatever I find. Uh -huh. Are some people's axes dull lamps. or sharp? A uh, lamp, like you know what I mean. Hatchets, Pro product razor of blade. yeah, and and you're really basing your your percentages here on the chance that you're going to find something that you can really use to uh -huh. be 
super productive with as yeah. as a murderer right I guess, so yeah. i don't know i just i think that when you when you try to compare jack the ripper to the axeman the axeman looks and, and seems very disorganized mm -hmm. where jack the ripper is it's a very, very organized absolutely mm -hmm. um our last theory is the mob which we already talked about success rate in my opinion is way too low to be the mob but we just covered the, yeah it could have been a money scam absolutely so there's that that ends the suspects who do you think it is who do i think it is yes i'm gonna say that i'm not gonna pick one person so if i were gonna go with the theory i, I in the beginning when we were talking about all the sucks uh, the suspects the the two immediate individuals that stood out were the brothers uh -huh. um and then just uh what's his name adam no what's his name andrew andrew sorry andrew um right right off the hop mm -hmm. but the more and more we delve into this this case and the more that we take a look at the differences of of how things progressed and went through to me i think that maybe there was an original axeman right and that there was a multitude of copycats or uh people that just kind of did something and blamed it on somebody else mm -hmm. you know what i mean because there's, there's just too many that's why the suspect pool is so is so big yeah is that and it's so ambiguous it could is, have been all of these it could have been all of them absolutely well maybe so, not the ghost but well yeah it's not a vampire and it's not a spirit at um, least it's not alien dealing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. alien is where you lose me completely for sure i'm not I into sci-fi either <laughs> Ghosts I can get thrown, like, okay, sure, maybe. Vampire, no. Alien, if you think some green dude with big eyes is flying down in his UFO to kill you guys, no. <laughs> you are incorrecto. Um, last things to note is that a possible photograph of the Axeman was taken going into the Pepitone home with an axe. It can be found on the Instagram and Facebook. The authenticity is unknown. Again, this is very long ago. It could have just been some dude like, Hey, dude, I have an axe. Come take the school selfie. And like, Well, no, but even even still, what is the plus, what is the quality of the photography? In it, the was pretty, it was pretty blurry. And also, aren't cameras really big back then? Like, it's not well, like they, some Polaroid where you're taking out your smartphone no, they were to much, snap a picture. They were much bigger. They needed to be processed in a certain mm -hmm. way. Like, if, what are the chances of some dude like, oh, well, that's a big dude with an axe walking into that building. I should probably take a picture of this. So let's take a look here. Cameras of the 1920s. Just, just to have a little fun. Images. Image. That's, that's what Holy. Buddy stuck around with. <laughs> right? So for anybody, anybody out there listening, I want you to plug in cameras of you know the 1920s and 1930s the flash on that alone would Maybe. have made somebody look over immediately because <laughs> that's a friggin spotlight so i don't that's, know like to huge. me yeah to me like is that a is that even a possibility of being something that wasn't staged yeah i don't know i don't know i'm not liking it um now we're going to get into some hauntings where I don't know if these houses are owned or not, because I know in the Jasmine Richardson case, if you haven't listened to it, you should go check it out. Absolutely. Um, they actually sold the house. And so it could have been that these houses were sold. I don't know if the hospital is still in use, but it is said that Catherine and Joseph Maggio haunt their house. Shrieks and screams have been reported. We don't really know. I believe in ghosts, but I feel like it has to be like, if you're telling me a ghost is walking around having board game days, like, no. I think that everybody has difference of opinions on, on mm -hmm. spirituality and, and spirits and ghosts and things like that. But I also think that the number one thing here um, 
would probably be the tourist attraction and the yeah. buy-in because you know a lot of people dig true crime right now yeah. and a lot of people dig the supernatural especially anybody going to friggin new orleans because yeah. they want to go down and not only do they want to uh, you're you're down there for two reasons you're down there for this the supernatural voodoo side of the house or you're down there for the cuisine or oh, yeah. you're down or there for both mardi gras <laughs> yeah. museum exactly of exactly so, and so, there's so many places i want to go like it would be so cool to go to like lizzie borden house which we will cover later i promise Velisca axe murder house kingston penitentiary alcatraz i almost called that azkaban yeah no wrong one <laughs> uh yeah there, so there are a lot of different things places. for sure yeah um it is also said that joseph romano is haunting the hospital that he died in so he lived for three days and then died in the hospital i feel like it's more believable for him to be haunting his house than anything i feel like the hospital he was in for three days is kind of weak but okay sure again though you think about it and it's a big tourist attraction yeah. or a tourist pull that it's a story you can tell and you can weave to buy mm -hmm. people into wanting to come and visit that area and yeah. to you know pass on generationally at each at each thing to to buy into having more people come out that way so yeah i believe that for the house the hospital it's either an abandoned hospital maybe or it's, it's still creepy still in use <laughs> if it's an abandoned hospital it's still creepy it's still creepy whether, and, whether it, it is but you're or not it making any money off of that like if no any... but it draws people to the area and I if guess. you're there and you want to go and visit you're not just it's not a day trip you're getting a, a Airbnb. You're getting a hotel. You're staying down there. You, you're probably then you're gonna, gonna go, go to, to the the Museum of Death. You're gonna go and look at the, the different shops. Places. Absolutely. So it's it's a an a, an invitation. You know what I mean to go down yeah. and spend some time down there. And I think it, that that's amazing. It'd be so cool if I could do like a YouTube spinoff of me just visiting these places. I am uh -huh. so not in financial state right now as no. a 13 year old but well, I'm, I'm 40 and i'm so... under that financial state don't <laughs> worry we're good it would be so cool absolutely so fun but that ends the case of the axe man of new orleans one of the more prolific unsolved serial killers of all time well thank you for uh having me on and letting me be a part of it i know that uh it was a lot of work that you put into this, and I know mm -hmm. that uh, it was a ton of research. So good yeah. job, and Thank uh, you. I'm glad I got to be a part of it. Yeah, I'm also sorry for the delay. We all got COVID, and then there was house redecorating. And now and there's then playoffs. Now there's playoffs. <laughs> and plus, my brain works in a way where if I don't do it for like a week or two, my yeah. brain just stops. Absolutely. I'm, I'm trying to get us back on track. I'm trying to get back to the two weeks per sounds good and i have all sorts of fun things planned for you guys and i'm so excited for you to come with me i look forward to hearing what's next mm -hmm. so thank you to you father who joined me thank you to red j for the theme music thank you to willem for the cover art if you don't already follow social media the links are always in the descriptions this is where you can win prizes and have fun with other Shackinators. We also have a merch store whose link is in the description. There's brand new tank tops and bucket hats. Make sure you check those out. It says, don't be suspicious. And it's really fun. Super stylish. Great for the summer that is coming up. Um, and if you properly remember, now we have a trivia every episode. If you are the first to comment on a post, you get your name in a draw, just as Jen did earlier this episode. Um, after 10 episodes, we take all the winners, the first person to comment on Facebook, as well as the first person to comment on the Instagram. So we, sh we should have two winners per episode. Cool. So please, if you answer on the Facebook, don't answer on the Instagram, please. <laughs> Because I'm just going to pick the second person. You're not going to win twice. This episode's trivia question is... What murders forever changed the way over-the-counter painkillers were sold? 
<laughs> I already know it. <laughs> <laughs> so I will not answer. Good luck to all of you guys out there. Uh, make sure that you uh, follow along and that uh, one of you guys throw the answer on there. Yeah. It's such a good case, too. I want to cover that. <laughs> it's so fun. Thank you for listening. Tell all your friends. Tell all your family about Crime Shack, the true crime podcast for younger audiences. Right? The only four-letter word we use is kill. Thank you, and good night, Shackinators. Bye.